One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our friends, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. And that was last season, 2019-20. Sign up there and you'll get every interview we produce before it's released on the main feed, plus the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You'll also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. And what's more, you'll be supporting us. You'll be keeping this independent podcast on the road. Thank you. There'll be cynics amongst you who think that the brilliant Eniola Aluko, title winner in Italy, is only on the big interview because her brilliant brother, Sonia Aluko, played for the Mighty Dandies and scored in a 2-2 draw with Bayern Munich. No, no. I can't even attest that Aberdeen gets mentioned at all. Okay, it comes up a couple of times. Any gives to us a brilliant perspective on the impact of and stories behind the 2019 World Cup. You're right, she was broadcasting it, not playing in it. We touch on the fact about whether she should have been trying to help England get beyond the semi-final and into the final. Listen on, you'll hear her answer. Annie also talked brilliantly about the perspective she gained while writing her book. It's a cathartic perspective on the pivotal time in her career when, over a course of more than 18 months, Annie fought a culture around the England coaching team. It's a fight she won at a cost, but when she reflects on that and what it's done to her and how she feels now, I guarantee you'll be interested and a little bit surprised. Annie Aluko, double winner in Italy, and England for Chelsea, lawyer, pioneer, brilliant analyst. She's a perfect fit for the big interview. I know, like, you can say it's nuts because of what you've had to go through in order. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and also the cruelty of loving your time and developing at Charlton and the club disappearing overnight yeah. and this happens in the States too but to my way of thinking particularly now and I listen for my small part I was coaching Glasgow University women's team in 1990 oh really badly I'd say but I was doing my best <laughs> and I've always just seen it that if football is played well you should yeah, watch it yeah, yeah, you watch yeah. it irrespective well, that's of gender how it, should it be. feels to me it, that seems natural but also if you, if you have a passionate addiction to football then I'll You'll watch, watch. Anything. if it's good I'll watch but now I see we're um, looking at elite athletes elite mm. people too so for example you were you were in the States I watched an appreciation of I mean, and they are ahead of everybody not just in mm-hmm. ability 
mentality yes. in the final two games, the semi-final and the final, yeah, right. you saw things that we sat recently with a pro footballer saying, it was Trent Alexander-Arnold, I was mm. in uh, Switzerland and France last week with him and he was saying, ah, the first Champions League final, a year ago in Kiev against Madrid, we didn't know how to win it and they did, mm. they knew it. Well, I said, define that and he did, the Americans in those two games knew exactly yeah. how to win. I think they knew they were going to win before that. From the get-go, they knew they were going to win this tournament. And they had the pressure of the nation on them. They have a lot of haters. Um, they've yeah. got the whole equal pay thing. They're up against the, the US Soccer Federation, which is a very powerful federation. Those girls are powerful women in every sense of the word and knew that anyone in our way, we're, we're, moving, we're moving out of the way. We're going to win. And that's the difference, I think, between England and France Germany and USA that level that level of sort of unapologeticness that people are a bit coy about with women's sport people still expect it to be nice and icy and, and cushy cushy they're like we're not here for that you know look at the way they celebrated 13-0 against Thailand you know people were uncomfortable with that but well, I, mean, I agreed with you. I think that reflected how ruthless they approach this tournament, and that's what you've got to be. If you, you, even if even if you're running away against the team, you do your job. You push the button every time you've got yeah. a chance, and you don't pat them on the head and sorry, yeah. it's thirteen nil. You, you, doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Men's, women's, boys, girls, football. You you play to win. And all right, taunt. You maybe don't taunt. Yeah, or whatever. There's, there's games. But this shit, idea yeah. that that was the that was sort of the wrong thing to be doing. I think that separates mentality. Yeah, absolutely. And also game management. I mean, there's, there, I think it was viewed with distaste in the UK. I saw when you know the Americans would be clever about how much time was taken over something or whether a foul was a foul or not. And, and that, yeah. people wouldn't have been saying that in a men's game, in my opinion. I think they would actually. I think, and, think I think that's what, and I think that's what makes it great now because the levels of opinion. I mean, the fact <laughs> that the fact that that celebration divided so, such opinion was great because that's what it would do in the men's game. Mm-hmm. If I don't know, if Raheem Sterling is sliding doing slide knee slides at thirteen nil against a weaker international nation. I think you probably have the same level of debate and, and, and that's what I love about the fact that women's football now, people aren't seeing it as, you know, women's football, oh, let's treat it nice. They're seeing it as football and, and, and universal debate and people are, are falling out about it. An intensity of criticism if necessary intensity too. intensity of criticism, like, that's what we wanted for such a long time. We've wanted the press to cover us, we've wanted the press to write about us, good or bad. And as players, we've got to kind of be ready for you know, ready for the good or bad. And as you said, we're professional athletes now. So that comes with a level of scrutiny that, you know, you've got to be ready for. You mentioned Raheem. He was going to come up in this because it's my perspective that he's an extraordinary footballer who's been coached by one of the best. The, the male equivalent of Rita, perhaps. Um, yeah, of course, His yeah. trajectory is extraordinary. And, and the way in which he's been treated, particularly by branches of the UK media, has been outrageous. And I, it got me angry, and therefore I'm putting out there to you my point of view. Maybe you disagree, but I watched the way that uh, Rapinoe was treated mm. post World Cup. About mm. um, there was one moment at a presentation when the crowd is singing her name, and she gets up, annoys it, does a little dance, sit down. It was a deluge of looking at look at her making this all about her. One again at an award ceremony immediately after winning, uh, becoming world champions again. 
Signing a young kid's autograph for while not actually looking him in the eye as if she should have been hugging or something. The kid gets his autograph. She's done him that nicety. And there seemed to be... And she spoke, I thought, in an uplifting, brilliant way, but also the message. Eloquent, for sure. What she's saying, you know, touched everybody, whether you watch women's football or you don't, men's football or you don't. And and immediately what that seemed to draw out was a a, a backlash, a readiness to get after her, Mm. maybe because she's seen as too outspoken. Yeah, yeah. But I I equated the treatment of Raheem and and Megan No, I think that's a great equation, and I think it's so multifaceted because... I think as, as athletes, when you put yourself out there on things that are non-sporting, mm-hmm. it is a guarantee that you will be attacked. It's just a guarantee. Because people don't see you as deserving of having a voice in that, in that sphere, no matter how eloquent you are. Oftentimes you can get the benefit of it because people go, oh, actually... That's refreshing. You know, that's refreshing, yeah. that, you know... But the reality is, is that we have these huge platforms where one tweet can change the world. So it's a decision. And, you know, I've had many arguments with, with footballers and, and different athletes about, well, do you just want to be the athlete that scored a lot of goals? Or do you want to be someone that actually, when it mattered and when things affected your team and affected you, you spoke up about it? When it, when you, you don't always have to speak up. I don't always speak up when something happens. But... There's pointed moments when you can, and it, and it can actually change the conversation. So I'm not at all surprised to see the level of backlash from Megan Rapino and Raheem Sterling, but I think in the long run, those are the athletes you remember. And one thing I say in the book is that my mum always taught me about being able to use attributes like being hard-headed and strong and vocal for the benefit of yourself and other people. Well, by the time that people are listening to this version of the big interview, they'll be able to go out and buy They Don't Teach This, yeah. your life story. I mean, there are a number of things we could pick on, but I, w- I want to try and make this seamless. In that the World Cup you were commentating on in the States, where should you have been playing? I'm talking about form first. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a debate that I, I, I could have been selected. Um, I had a conversation with Phil Neville in early 2018 in Russia, actually. I was in the ho- ITV hotel with all the sort of lads, uh, I call them lads, but they were actually my heroes growing McCoyst, up. for example. You know, ra- ra- yeah, Ali McCoist, um, Ryan Quite Giggs. a lad, little to say for himself. <laughs> Gary Neville. Game of chess in bed at nine. Yeah. yeah, so I happened to be able to have a chat with Phil Neville at the time mm. and said, listen, you know, where am I at with, with it? Yeah. Like, either way, it's fine. My life's moved on. I'm very happy with, with my life and, you know, I have 102 caps. So in a way, I already feel like the glass is already full. But I'm still playing and, and, you know, I feel that I can still contribute. And he very much said, listen, the door's still open. Um, if you perform well, like any other striker, you could be selected. Now, oftentimes, you know, I like to look people in the eye and believe that that's, you know, that's, a, that's genuine. But oftentimes a lot of coaches give players lines and you don't really know how genuine it is. Now, I'd like to think it was genuine at the time, but I remember thinking, well, if I do go in and bang goals in at Juventus, are you going to, you know, are you going to risk? And, and I call it a risk because, you know, I think it's safe to say there's a lot of strong opinion about, you know, my whole fallout with England and the FA. And so it, I think it's a risk in the sense that there's, there's, there'll be so much media attention around that potential selection. But ultimately, we're talking about football. You scored 11. It was 14 in the league. 
Okay. I scored 14, 14 goals in the league, 16 in all competitions. I think finished third. Job done. Fourth. So, and we won the double in a team where I have as big a name as Chelsea or Bayern Munich or anyone else. In a league where we only won the, the league by one point. Certainly more competitive than France or you know or, or in England. So if if I was arguing, if you know, if I was sort of outside of myself and arguing for me, I think I'd have a strong case. case. So I think the long answer is I think that question is, is probably better answered by Phil Neville. But it it, it 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 doesn't help to think that there's other factors that stopped me that would have stopped me being selected outside of just pure football. Okay, I'm gonna. Go to the point I was making and then come back to what you said there because in They Don't Teach This, the, the, the World Cup you were commentating on for Fox where you could easily have been playing, the World Cup would have been better, Norway would have been better if Ada Hegerberg, the Ballon d'Or mm. footballer, had been there. Now mm. she chose a route which is directly in line with many things you explain, many achievements uh, that you logged during your career because you articulately stood up for the betterment of your peers the squad in terms of pay, treatment, centralised contracts I'm not going to, it's pejorative to say shop steward now because that's viewed as something but you advocated things that would advance the case of people other than yourself Mm. put yourself at risk for that I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you never had to quite go to the length that Ada felt she had to, she'd been absolutely clear cut Mm but why she wouldn't play um, for Norway. And she described her time with the national team as deeply depressing, giving her nightmares and leaving her mentally broken. This is somebody who, if you have met her twice, uh, watched her play, um, if you look at what she wrote in Players' Tribune about the treatment of that idiot at the Ballon d'Or, it was uplifting and brilliant. Mm. I mean, she is one impressive person. But she chose not to go to World Cup in order to demonstrate her case, in Mm. order to try and change things too. Given that you did... You aimed at certain things that are similar, but you didn't choose that action. Do you think she did the right thing, the wrong thing? What would you have done in her situation? It's it's so difficult because, you know, a lot of these issues are individual issues that, when dealt with, can change the course of the entire team. But what we often deal with in women's football is a group of players that aren't ready to risk their modest contracts to stand for something that doesn't pay their mortgage. That's the reality of it. I think Ada Hegerberg benefits in the sense that, as I said before, she is, you know, as Colin Kaepernick is, as probably I am, as Megan Rapinoe is, she's a force because of she, she transcends sport. She's now become someone that represents far more than just being a goal scorer. And I think in the long run, you benefit from that. It's really up to Norwegian FA to decide how much of an impact her action is going to take. I felt from working on the World Cup that it was very much similar to my situation where it was very much, let's paint Ada Hegerberg out to be the one that has an issue. I watched American panels talking about it and I thought what they were saying was a disgrace. I, I wasn't on the show, the actual particular show, when they were talking about it, but I remember watching it thinking... And, no, and her wrong. agent, actually, I know her agent, her agent messaged me and said, listen, you need to tell Fox that, first of all, they've got their facts wrong, 
And two, like, you know, what happened to kind of respecting the position of a player? Researching it. Researching it. They were factually wrong. Uh, If you're going to opine, I think you probably stand for free speech and you could have sat there and listened to somebody say something that you completely disagreed with as long as they'd done their work. I have a different view. But they they, they sounded like it was a closed book before they came on air. I think the problem is, is that, I mean, that's the first time I've heard the quote that you've read out. Yeah. I think the problem with Hegerberg's case is that, I wouldn't call it a problem, but I think maybe perhaps the uncertainty is that no one really knows the specific issue. With Hegerberg, we don't know whether it's a problem with the coach, whether it's a problem with the pay, whether it's, what, what is it? If we talk about pay, well, Norway kind of lead the way in terms of equality of pay because they've, they've had an equal pay deal. So, so what is it? So I think in, in people's annoyance and actually, quite frankly, their entitlement of wanting to find out what it is, and I said this off stage, I said, we don't have to know what it is. Let's just respect her stance. For a player a who's word. the best player in the world to say, I don't want to play in the World Cup, there's something going on. You know, Her sister also doesn't play for the national team, so you've got to ask questions there. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I think you've seen a trend throughout women's football over the last three, four years of players and teams saying we are not accepting this culture New Zealand, Australia Norway, Denmark US, like the, the list goes on they've all had sort of collective stances against their federations because women's football has accepted a culture for a long time of just mediocrity, poor management and treating players poorly. That has, that has to change. So I have a lot of respect, obviously, and can relate to Hegerberg for her stance. How it will impact Norway, Norwegian football, I, I, I think it's up, to, it's up to the FA. Certainly to Olympic Lyonnais' benefit that yeah, <laughs> already yeah, sure. predominant. But it's She's sad. got a summer it's, it's off. Really sad. I wanted to, I wanted to watch her, you know, because for anyone who doesn't understand, it's really sad where she's at. Like she, she had the and opportunity Norway, to stand to be to potentially be the best player at that world. Potentially, I only say potentially. And Norway were a strong team too. I mean, yeah. I, I watched their game against Australia, and I was like, this team could win the World Cup. Like they were exceptional. 
but that was without Hegerberg. So it can work, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the team felt like they had to really perform to show the world that we don't need Hegerberg. So there's a lot going on there. I spoke to a psychologist about this recently and she said, you know, there's a lot of Stockholm Syndrome mm. in women's football where even if you know something's bad, there's an attachment to what is bad because you, you benefit from if, it. If I go along with this, it won't get any worse. Whereas you have to take the risk against your kidnappers to say, the same right. Yeah, that's perfect. In your book, one of the contrary things is that until things go badly wrong under Mark Sampson and his, his coaching team, whenever you go and argue with the FA, or your recording of it, they were willing to work with me. They listened. They were quite receptive. And they felt you were one of, in an extraordinary era, including the players who've begun playing seven, eight, nine, ten years before you. You've been part of an extraordinary era of brilliant mm. English women footballers. It's, it's the case, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's flattering yeah, on my part. I mean, a lot I look back, you look back and you think, unbelievable. Yeah. And then you, but you're one of their icons. And yet, when you write the book, I suspect it's cathartic. You've spent a lot yes. of time thinking oh my God, about absolutely. it. <laughs> when you look back on that situation, how are you treated by your coach at national level? And then the process you have to go through and how you're subsequently treated by the FA. Where are you at now? Uh, because you try, you, you often talk about trying to accrue wisdom. Mm. Uh, you're a brilliant mind, you're a first class honours degree and a lawyer, practicing lawyer in, in several different practices. Your deep faith, which conditions how you react to things mm. in your life. You know, look back. What, what, what have you learned? What, well, this was a big thing, Graham, for the book because we had to decide the tone of it. Whilst telling the entire story that's already well documented, there was a risk that I was pouring over your ground. There was a risk that I was crying over spilt milk. There was a risk that, well, this case is settled. Why are you still talking about it? But it's a huge part of my story and a huge part of my life and a huge part of who I am today. What I wanted to do was, was tell the story again, but also give insight into how I felt at those moments and how what someone says is one thing, how you feel about it stays with you. So really give the reader insight about how I felt because a lot of, a lot of the reporting at the time was like, well, uh, that, yeah, well, some, she was called lazy, so. He shouted at her in front of loads of people, so. And there was a lot of that, but I think in a book you can get the idea of the accumulation of that it starts to have a real impact. So... I think, I think I was very, very careful to try as much as possible to tell the story, explain how I felt, but end it with, but now I can look these people in the eye genuinely and forgive them. And I've forgiven them. <clears throat> I've already forgiven them. And the, the whole, you know, there's a whole chapter on forgiveness, pretty much um, the, the whole sort of epilogue. Many people, particularly many people who operate in your sphere of sport, use ill-treatment as an incentive. You, you could have used that as fuel for many years to come. And I know many successful men and women who do use yeah. that rather than forgiving. I'm certain that if you've got that within you, either because of your personality, your upbringing, or your faith, I'm certain that there's a cleansing effect to forgiveness. Yeah, I think faith... But you could have used it differently and, yeah. and also successfully. Well, I think faith very much dictates how I've used it. You know, I had to go through the pain and the, the anger and the bitterness, if you like, of, of, you know, knowing that, okay, my England career was kind of cut short, 
and, and this was a huge issue as a result of that. But then realizing that really, actually, the more the, that, that lives in my head, the more it's only going to affect me. Mm. And how my faith, you know, reading the Bible, it, it talks about all of that. You have to get to the point where you rise above your adversaries. You have to get to the point where you can forgive and genuinely look someone in the eye and being like, you know what, I wish you the best. And also understand that pe the behavior of people is, is often a, a, a product, they're products of their own environment, their own sad environment. It was super cathartic for me to go through that process and be like, you know what, actually, I have to let all of this go. I do want to talk about my adoration for you, brother. And you, yeah. you gave me a little clue and said, that, yeah, I've got some fond memories of going up to Aberdeen and it probably wasn't for tourism um, <laughs> <laughs> well it's a nice city but it's not all that what took you to Pitodri to see your brother tell me about your brother's time at Aberdeen I remember the Europa League yeah. I remember one of the great results in our history where he scored in a well Shawnee, Shawnee um, he went on loan to Aberdeen at first from Birmingham um, as you know as young players do to try and gain experience and ended up being very good and stayed there signed and um, you know, became sort of a key player for Aberdeen. Liked Scotland, you know, had a Scottish girlfriend, and um, you went and visited all the time. Yeah, really? we went up. We went up for two Christmases actually, and took Christmas to him in Aberdeen. So I remember fond Christmases in in Aberdeen. No idea how proud <laughs> I am. I'm yeah, delighted. In a lovely um, sort of apartment complex, and oh, brilliant. Um, and actually, there was a lot of kind of Nigerian expats in Aberdeen because of yeah, the oil. So we, we kind of had, you know, nice family friends that we could kind of cook with and, you know, so I have very fond memories of Aberdeen. And then obviously he then went to, to Rangers, which was sort of, for him, uh, playing for a, that big major, you know, Scottish club. This is where I have to um, learn forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, honestly, looking at Shawnee's career, those were, you know, that was his purple patch yeah. for Rangers. It obviously sadly ended in administration, but in terms of, like, him being that player that could change the game. Mm -hmm. His goal in the, against Celtic, mm -hmm. you know, where he's got the ball, he's dribbled, his nutmegs and scored. I remember being at that game thinking, that's my brother, I like <laughs> Quite it's an just, atmosphere it as well unreal. Like it, was, it, was, it was unreal. So really fond memories of, of, of Scotland. Thank you. Yes. Before we close, um, what... I don't know Aaron Ramsey at all, but... What do you anticipate? Because you, you often share facilities mm. um, with the male team. I, I think there's a unifying... It, it appears that there's a unifying mentality right across this club. It doesn't matter whether you're playing male or female. But just like... I guess Aaron is coming to a special place. It seems to me. I've been here yeah. over many, many years in the old Comunale when they trained there with Lippy showing me and Tommy Burns, the Celtic manager, team tactics... I've been imbued with a certain sense of yeah. this is an extraordinarily special club, special it city. Is, it is special because, I mean, it's existed since 1897. And I, I love history, so I, I love that. Like, you know, you're part of the fabric of, like, an entire city and an entire group of legends. And, you know, um, it's just something that's just so iconic. And I think now... It's, you know, I recognise just the levels of excellence that are demanded just through to, from the coaching through to the sports science, you know, the sports science here, I've never, you know, I've never experienced in my career. Mm -hmm. um, Italian sports science is, is, is 
is advanced in many ways than the rest of Europe. Everything that sort of makes football what it should be, you know, the, the history, the, the, you know, the development of young players, the, the pursuit of excellence, is here. You can reach out if he, if he wishes it. You can reach out and just say, listen, I'm here ahead of you. How can Sarah I help? Ramsey? Yeah. Yeah, um, he will understand, I think, what it, what it means to play for a big club. He played yeah. for Arsenal for such a long time. And in a way, I think maybe Juventus is a step up from Arsenal. In a sense, and, and the reason I say that is because at Arsenal I get the sense that it was kind of, it was okay if you didn't win anything. Arsene Wenger specifically set up a top four culture, isn't yeah, and, and, uh, I, I struggle with that. Yeah, at Juventus I don't think that's... Oh, you better. That doesn't we both, fly. No, I mean, it's not. No, if one, it's it, not. It's just, so I think Ramsey will see, will hopefully be able to see the step up um, in mentality, I'm just talking about mentality now, club mentality, and um, that will push him to play. But I think the men's team have a lot of midfielders, so you know he has to get in the team. And you're seeing more English players do it. I love it. That you is know, thrilling. Trippier going to Atletico. You know, Jaden um, Dortmund. Like it's going to help. No, the, couldn't agree more. It's going to help the England national team. Like just under and Gal Southgate looks like the kind of guy that will encourage that. Yeah. Like the different cultures, the different pressures, the different languages, being able being able to just have to communicate in a different way sharpens you, your mind. It takes you out of any comfort zone you've ever been in. And it really sharpens your mind. Yeah. So all of that, I, it will stay with me. When I, you know, when I finish playing, all of this will stand me in good stead. You know, I, I, I've been quite open about saying, you know, when I finish playing, I want to sort of go into the sporting director role of being able to shape culture, recruit players develop teams I'm not really interested in being a coach but I'm interested in sort of working with a coach to develop um, winning culture and I genuinely feel like all of these experiences are going to only help me to have better conversations with players so, if, so let's say in five years time I'm a sporting director of a club and a foreign player comes to me and says oh you know what I'm struggling finding somewhere to live or I will understand how that feels yeah and, and, and what better way to, to kind of understand and set, set myself up for future in, in just living the experience? It's a thrilling prospect, and I'll just put my big nose and say I hope that by that stage, Match of the Day or Sky are still competing to either draw you away from that or have you in a part-time contract, because irrespective of whether you're yeah. working, analysing women's football or male football, you're very good at it. You, yeah. you do your prep, but also you impact. And I think that we're in an era where that too is on the rise. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. universally, because they're still footballers. Yeah. I can't speak for female footballers because the ones I've seen on television have so far stood out. But I, I work with some who, or I have worked with some who just turn up, rock up and say, right. my opinion will be good enough. enough. And research is vital. We know you do that. We also know that you're about to try and equal my, what did you call it, Neil? Olympic world record performance. When I read the audiobook of my, uh, my two books, for those who did listen to it, um, yes, the night before I recorded the Spain audiobook, I had been out singing karaoke till four in the morning. So <laughs> if that's a suspicion, you've just had it confirmed. But you're about to go and continue audiobook reading. They don't teach this. Yes. Um, enjoy it. We have to let you go because the studio is waiting for you. That's a yes. nice phrase to be able to say, sorry, the studio's waiting. <laughs> I have to go now. Uh, I suppose I end in a in a pretty stereotypical way by saying Forza Juve, Forza Eniola. Thank you so much. Prego. No, prego. Grazie. Grazie mille. Prego. Thank you for coming.
I do hope you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios, our members who support us. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day they're available, it's time for you to join us. To become a socio, and for only £2.99 per month, you'll get all our content entirely ad-free and ahead of its release on the main feed. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast and we'll blow virtual kisses towards you. Thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.